everyone, and welcome to Val Cafe. My name is Brian Hostler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting, based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm Carolyn Kamen, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC, coming to you from unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations territory. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop, if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, long-time practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. So in today's episode, I'm really excited to say that we have our very first guest coming to us from Australia. Uh, We're talking to Jade Maloney. Uh, who is a partner at ARTD Consultants, specializing in design and evaluation with people with disabilities and in the disability sector. And she's also a co-convener of AES19, that's the Australian Evaluation Society 2019 Conference, uh, with the future-focused theme, Evaluation Unboxed. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jade wrote an article that went up on better evaluation called, What Does It Mean to Unbox Evaluation? And uh, we were so infatuated, or I was so infatuated with it, and Brian got on board quite quickly, uh, that we asked Jade to come and tell us more about this conference theme. Yeah, thank you both for having me. Very exciting. I was had been just listening to your podcast that morning, actually, after posting my Better Evaluation blog and hearing, I think, the conversation you were having about facilitation and evaluation. And I thought... Um, how great that was and how that really kind of um, fit with the theme about unboxing evaluation as well. Why do we kind of label ourselves evaluators in a sense? Or I've never actually really called myself an evaluator because I think I do so many other things besides evaluation. And I guess that's one of the one of the things um, behind this theme of unboxing evaluation for the uh, Sydney AES conference this year. If evaluators require so many different skills from so many different disciplines and fields, what does it mean to be an evaluator? Um, I think there's sort of ties into the conversation about professionalization of evaluation as well. If we start to professionalize, what does that mean for people who see themselves as as many things, not necessarily just a you know a professional evaluator? And I suppose um, because of the work that I do with people with disability and people with lived experience of mental ill health, um, I have a big focus on not doing evaluation for, but helping them to do evaluation, empowering empowering people to do evaluation for themselves as well. I love that you talk about um, not necessarily referring to yourself as an evaluator, because that's something that I've been struggling with. I do call myself an evaluator, but it's almost in this sort of semi-ironic, I'm I'm saying that because I know (laughs) that I'm struggling with it and I'm going to just sort of like keep poking and picking at that scab until I figure it out. So I I love to know that there are other people out there with the same kind of perspective. So funny, when I first fell into evaluation 11 years ago, it was a family friend who sort of said, come and interview for this job. And I thought, oh, what's evaluation? I better Google that before I better turn up to the interview with some knowledge of what that is. And as soon as I got the job, I did start calling myself an evaluator for a little while. And my husband could just see people kind of looking very, very confused whenever we met them at social events. And he said, you just got to come up with a different name because it's kind of killing the conversations. <laughs> I think that's changed over time. I think people, maybe I've just got better ex- explaining what evaluation is and using words around evaluation rather than evaluation itself. And people do seem to be interested when you talk about helping people to make their programs better or policies better or Um, you know, achieve the outcomes that they're intending to achieve. But yes, for a long time, it was like, oh, just let's make up a job for you instead of evaluation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think that goes back to, like you said, the, um, I think you're referring to the um, podcast episode we did with Chris Corgan um, back in January about uh, about the facilitation. And I think even going all the way back to our first episode of this podcast, we were talking about what what does this profession mean? What does it mean to be an evaluator? And on the one hand, it's a very basic kind of, you know, idea, like you said, of just like, you know, trying to help something improve. But on the other hand, we've put so much layers and different ideas and theories and concepts on top of that and, and required skills and professionalization. So yeah, definitely um, this idea of unboxing sounds like one that's, you know, a good, a good activity to be engaging in at this time. 
Yeah, and I think people get so confused about evaluation. I mean, evaluators themselves sort of have so many arguments about what evaluation is and, and what it's not and different types of evaluation and whether one approach is better than another. Um, we have so many different sort of complex terms that it makes it sort of hard for people to find their way in. And then we wonder why people don't necessarily, you know, jump when somebody uh, in excitement when we come in and say we're, we're here to help you evaluate your program. Um, so I think unboxing evaluation is also about getting some excitement back into evaluation and helping people to mm. see that we're not there to judge them, um, you know, as this independent uh, outsider, but there to understand what it is that they need evaluation to help them to do, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that when I read your 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 better evaluation article, the line that jumped out at me first, um, right at the beginning of the article was, uh, as evaluators, we see evaluation as a gift. Mm. We had big debates about whether we would say that in, in our committee meeting as we came up with this theme. And I have to say, I'm quite a skeptic about conference themes. Um, and it took us a while to come up with this. But I think once we found it, uh, we realized how many sort of opportunities it opened as well. Um, and that gift conversation, I remember saying to someone at the time, doesn't that sound a bit arrogant? Doesn't that make us sound a bit like, you know, aren't we wonderful here to give you a gift? Um, and I think it was only when we started to have that conversation about giving and receiving. And so you have to give something of yourself as well. You can't and you have to be willing to receive from something from the communities that mm-hmm. you work with. And I think this theme came up in one of your other podcasts as well about um, it might have been, even been that facilitation episode around this you can't just pretend that you're not showing up with something um, that you're this independent objective outsider you need to sort of recognize and be open about what you're bringing to each project as well yeah yeah I think it did come up in that episode I feel like there's a lot of ties between these two episodes so I'm fascinated to hear that this article was written and then you listen to that episode like they weren't um directly connected in that way, but just sort of nicely synchronous. Um, One of the things I've been reflecting a lot, so I love the idea of evaluation as a gift. And I think it's such a provocative statement because I think many people don't experience evaluation as a gift Mm. (laughs) from both sides. But to me, I've actually, Mm. one of the reasons I love that is because I've been writing, I'm just pulled up one of my own reflection journals here. And then there's a a little paragraph that I wrote, um, I'm not even sure, I didn't date it maybe a few weeks ago, about the idea of evaluation as a gift. And to me, that had three implications. Uh, the first implication is the idea that I have something of value to give, like a gift is is valuable. And I think sometimes we get self-conscious about, because often evaluation is such a difficult to bring thing to bring to people, we start to maybe think less of what we have to give. Um, or not think of it in that, like, hey, I actually have something that's worthwhile. It's not just going to be drudgery or a chore or punishment. Mm. Um, I think also good gifts are, the other implication is that good gifts are thoughtful and personalized. You know, like when you're giving someone Mm. a gift, you're thinking about, you know, what would that person want and need? Um, It may not always land that way, but you're at least trying to give something that's going to be meaningful and useful and valuable to them. It, It shouldn't just be, uh, a standard, well, this is what this looks like. We'll give you, you know, these, you know, quick steps of, and this is how it always looks for everyone. It should be personalized mm. um, and presented in a way that, you know, we, we don't give people just, you know, here's a, a pretty gift in a paper sack. When we talk about using data visualization or, you know, innovative reporting methods in order to increase engagement and buy-in and use, that's the idea of, you know, when we give a gift, we should put some effort into mm. giving it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think the other, the, the biggest implication for me of the idea of evaluation as a gift is uh, you can prepare a gift to be received well, but you can't control what happens with it once it's given. Mm. Right. Um, you know, it's for someone else to decide what, you know, if, if you give someone a lovely vase as a housewarming gift, <laughs> if you show up a month later and they don't have it on display in their uh, mm. living room, it looks pretty bad if you start complaining about that. Um, you know (laughs) like it's that that we need to kind of give up control as well I think yeah that's so funny that you say that 
Yeah, it's so funny that you say that just because my background is also in creative writing and I remember sitting there in our master's degrees and, you know, you sit there and you workshop your creative writing pieces and and people sort of kind of tear it apart or interpret it differently or, you know, really um, seeing something in it that you didn't see in in it yourself and how many times our uh, teachers would have to remind you that, you know, once you put something out in the world, it's it's not yours anymore. You're not really Mm. the author of it. It's what other people read into it and what they create from it themselves and I guess that's another way of thinking about unboxing evaluation as well I think when I first fell into evaluation it was often so much about the report to the extent that you know I would work with one manager who you know it was just exhausting to write the these reports it was just this mammoth effort at the end of every job that you need sort of like two days leave afterwards to to take a break from it and I kind of thought I just I don't I don't want the report to be the only thing and how do we make evaluation much more about the journey and the process not just Mm. this report at the end which you know people may Mm. or may not do something with and so we can't control what somebody does with that report at the end but I think if we think of it more as a journey and a conversation along the way we have much more ability to to shape where where things are where things are headed mm-hmm. De- definitely and I think um yeah one of the fears at least for me as an evaluator is the whole uh the whole um, file drawer problem right that our our evaluation ends up just sitting in a file drawer somewhere it doesn't get used or mm. you know even worse it gets misused or gets misinterpreted or used to justify something completely contrary to what we're we're saying but then yeah viewing it more as 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 the process or that relationship piece that ongoing journey means that yeah it doesn't matter if they put that vase out on the table in a place of pride or they you know as soon as we leave smash it to pieces and put the (laughs) put the pieces together into something that's more useful to them you know it doesn't matter it shouldn't matter (laughs) exactly (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so i just i i love knowing that that was a uh a bit of controversy actually, or, or, or a, something that you weren't sure if it was going to go in and, and I'm glad it made it in. I think it'd be great to have a, uh, have a conversation about that. So I'm so excited. I, I will admit, and I feel extra sad about this now. I'm probably not going to make it to the conference Aww. itself. <laughs> um, I'll have to have some Canadian scholarships. Oh, don't tell Bill that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm so excited about this theme, though, and I'm excited to hear what comes out of it. And I'm he- excited about the conversations that can be sparked from this conference and will hope- hopefully uh, travel the worldwide. Me too. Mm-hmm. I-, I hope we'll have a lot of international um, guests and then t- continue the conversation afterwards as well. Um, I guess just thinking about another aspect uh, of unboxing evaluation and that idea about sort of narrative control or who's the author as well. One of the things... Um, I think that I've been doing more and more is using more participatory or collaborative approaches and it's been really quite interesting to work with people with disability and and, and people with um, mental ill health to start to interrogate the data that we find as well and to ask questions that we might not have asked about what it means uh, in terms of what we're finding but also in terms of where a program or a policy might go. And I know one of the conversations that I'd had with someone was like, well, this is quite complicated. How are you really going to involve people with disability in these kind of conversations about data? But you can break things down into relatively straightforward conversations. And people, I find, to have a really different perspective than we would bring to the data because they've been involved in the program and they've seen it sort of uh, firsthand so they can start to think about what somebody might have meant when they were commenting in a certain way about how it works. That reminds me actually a little bit of uh, something I was thinking about prior to this, um, to recording this episode, where uh, for me with unboxing evaluation, um, it kind of reminded me when I was first learning about it back in grad school about evaluation as a field, um, our instructor used the metaphor of kind of the mystery box that we're trying to uh, evaluation tries to kind of open up the mystery box where if you put money and resources in and then you have some sort of outcome come out and we don't know what actually happens inside the box. But at the same time, it's, it's just thinking now that um, through our evaluation processes, we've kind of created a new box where, you know, data goes in and results and interpretations and ideas and recommendations come out the other end. And if we're not careful, it, yeah, it doesn't get seen by the people who are going to be using the information. It doesn't those what processes happen doesn't get seen by those who are, you know, that were, who are providing the data or who are most affected by the issue. 
So yeah, I think it's really important to be saying, yeah, how do we include those different voices as part of this? Mm-hmm. You know, on an episode that's about boxes, we really are coming full circle uh, <laughs> because that reminds me of our, I think it was our second or third episode about uh, participatory approaches, mm-hmm. um, which actually one of the one of the byproducts of that episode was it really got me reflecting on how I am using participatory or how I was using participatory and collaborative approaches um, in ways I hadn't quite recognized, but also how I could strengthen them. And so over the last I don't know, couple of years, I've been using also more and more collaborative approaches. Mm. And it's, uh, Jade, I think my experiences have been similar to yours. Like it's just a, it's a completely different way of doing evaluation. And for me, I think what it is, I feel less pressure um, mm-hmm. when I when I take those approaches. Like, there's almost this. Like, there's still a certain. There's still a. Re- I feel like I hold responsibility. I'm definitely still uh, responsible for uh, helping support um, and and uh, yeah, I think support that process and and provide uh, guidance and and resources and be part of it as well and not hold myself separate from it. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like crushed by the responsibility of mm-hmm. it. I feel like sometimes evaluators might be like we're holding so much Mm. um so much responsibility to like understand all the data see all the insights write that huge big report Mm. um that when i can yeah i've had those experiences with just those monstrous reports that really just feel like too too much Mm. and the more you can kind of share that around just the easier it is but also i think the better it is um that that it definitely is less less stress when um, you share the responsibility for it and you realize it's not all yours because it's a lot to ask of of one person or or one team um, and you do get a better result when you bring in different perspectives as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between that kind of responsibility and I think trying to control, like to be to maintain control over everything, make sure that. Um, and maybe this is a hang up from kind of the social science background that a lot of us come from or that a lot of evaluation, I think, uh, behavioral sciences, where if you're working from a most more quantitative approach, at least that was kind of my kind of academic upraising, um, is that you're supposed to be able to control everything, control all the extraneous variables, be able to say definitively, this is what caused that. And I think if you, yeah, I, I think there's a difference between responsible, like you said, Carolyn, to, you know, having that versus being trying to control everything. And I think where you're trying to control things, that's where the stress comes in a lot. Not that you can't have stress or responsibility, but I think it's, it comes more that unhealthiness comes from trying just to make sure that everything is controlled and everything is just so. Yeah. I I think I would like to see us replace control with more trust. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like to dichotomize too much, but I do feel like trust and control are two things that can't, if you're controlling something, you don't trust it. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no space for trust when you're controlling, and I think I'd love to see us let go, relax a little more, invest a little more in trust, and a little less in control. Mm. And I think that investing in trust as well help, will help people to fear evaluation less. I think some, in some of your episodes, you've both talked about you know people fear the evaluator coming in, and we've certainly experienced that. Um, for example, in sort of one of the community development programs we've been evaluating recently, there was some of the the, the, st- the case study sites that we selected. We wanted to go early with them so we could start to talk to them and have conversations about how where they were going um, might fit with the overall program goals um, to start to learn about what they were seeing in their local communities, sort of a really, really reflective um, practice piece people were um, worried about us coming because they thought we were there to kind of assess them after, you know, it's only one month. We haven't really started our plan yet. We don't know what we're doing. Um, What are you going to be doing with us? Um, And it wasn't until we, you know, went there and had the first visit and they were realised that we were just sitting um, around with them having these reflective conversations, bringing in some of the evidence we knew about how these kind of approaches had worked elsewhere, but being really open to what they were finding and where they were going that they started to fear it less as well and once we sort of could talk to them about having control of the evaluation they were much more sort of trusting of us as well and and less uh, fearful of what evaluation would be about 
and what the implications would be for their program. Mm. They could see evaluation, well, maybe not as a gift, um, but definitely something with a lot of potential for them as well. Maybe it's kind of like the, the the gift, you know, you get socks at Christmas and it's really disappointing, but after a certain point in time, you're sort of like, well, you know what? Socks at Christmas is super useful. It's cold. <laughs> are you saying that evaluations are the socks at Christmas? I feel like maybe. <laughs> I like getting socks at Christmas. I'm just wondering if it's more like a gym pass, like a gym pass at Christmas or something like that. One of those things where <laughs> there's something in it for you, but you have to work a little bit hard for it as well, or like a book or something <laughs> like that, but you know. Been meaning to read this book. It's a little bit dense, but actually, I'll get something like a lot from it once I do it. Like it's not like a painless process or always fun, but you know the result is it makes it worth it. Hopefully, hmm. I'm loving these evaluation gift metaphors. So to say that. <laughs> we should just have a I mean, whole session on the conference the- about gift metaphors. So. <laughs> <laughs> evaluation is gift card uh, discussed someone at last year's AES <laughs> had something about evaluator as I don't know cake or something like this you had like just add water and make a cake <laughs> anyway I'll have to dig that out it was funny <laughs> <laughs> I like that um I, you know the other thing I was looking at so I read um that that wonderful article on better evaluation which we'll we'll link that to that in our show notes but i also went to the conference website itself and i was looking at the um the sub themes mm. you've got four um awesome sub themes again i'm so i'm like i I'm looking at my calendar being like, can I, can I maybe go can. to australia in september australia in september is beautiful so. <laughs> i would really like to do that so <laughs> i i won't I won't make promises, <laughs> um, but so there, there's some sub themes. And one of the first sub themes actually that um, just jumped right out at me was, uh, so what's in the box using theory, creating value. But there was a question that you uh, have here. Um, so evaluation can seem like a mystery. Ask evaluators and they'll define it differently. One commonly referenced definition is the judgment of the merit, worth or value of a thing. How else might we define it? And on what basis do we value? And the reason that struck me is because I have always found that particular definition, uh, the judgment of the merit, worth, or value of a thing as as what evaluation is, profoundly alienating. Mm. And I don't connect with it or resonate with it Mm. at all. I do understand where it comes Mm. from. um, But for me, it's like saying that the the definition of going to school is getting a report card. Mm. Like, I just don't see judgment as the purpose of evaluation. I see evaluation as being learning so that we can change, so that we can adapt. And judgment is part of that. Yeah. Like, I think we need, I think we do that. I think we do judge things based on their merit, worth, or value, but I just don't feel like that's the purpose of doing it. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? I mean, looking up what my standard definition of evaluation (laughs) is just from some slides, like from a presentation did a while back. But uh, yeah, um, I think it's maybe kind of like, maybe it's slightly at the, like the definition I have, uh, one of them is uh, Scriven. And I think it's similar. It's just the systematic determination of the merit, worth, or value of an object. Um, And I think that feels like that's, maybe like how we do it but not what we do or maybe it's the other way around maybe it's what we do and not how we do it i feel like it's not the why yeah it's not the why it's not kind of the the reason it's not the it's it's the mechanical part of it it's not the actual spirit of it if that's if that's the right word for it so yeah yeah it's sort of to to what end Mm. are we making a judgment and, and who makes the judgment too um and I think that definition, when you see it that way, it can seem quite cold and sort of that concept of independent, you know, outsider coming in to judge judge what we're doing where there are much more sort of inclusive approaches and, and ways of looking at things. And who am I as an outsider to come in and sort of judge the value of what you're doing? That values piece is really important, I think, to engage you know, the program stakeholders, not just the people who are delivering the program, but the people who, um, you know, are the clients of the program in thinking about the the value Mm. of of that program as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that question of, you know, whose judgment is so, so important. Which then brings us back around to who are we as evaluators and what are we bringing to the table in in our work? 
We're getting into some really deep professional existential <laughs> questions on this episode. Well, we have a profession left at the end of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is there actually a box that we is, is there still a box left for evaluation after this we not only unbox but we just throw in the box all completely it's postmodernist evaluation now <laughs> <laughs> but i think this question about like what is evaluation is and you know what's in the box what is it is, is quite a good one for us to think about when we're talking about unboxing evaluation because you find people are so confused about it um and that adds to this this fear of evaluation. It adds to you know uncertainty about what it's about. It kind of contributes to their lack of engagement, maybe in the process, and to those you know dusty reports sitting on shelves, you know, gathering dust rather than being used and, and useful for people as well. I, um, I guess it also gets us into this territory of you know often people refer to you know gold standards evidence hierarchies with you know systematic reviews and RCTs kind of. Whereas a lot of evaluators would talk about methodological appropriateness as a gold standard. But if we're going to talk about that and actually gain some traction about that idea, then we need to be able to give people some clear byways, some clear ways into understanding what would be appropriate in this context without, you know, expecting them to have read all of the books that kind of sit behind some of these theories and approaches to evaluation. And I'm not saying this just so we can like try to reference all of our past podcast episodes in this podcast, though I think we're doing a pretty good job on that already. Um, but I'm thinking back to like our principles discussion with Kim Vanderwart, and I'm wondering if like principles is that is that just creating another box, or is that maybe some way where if we're thinking not just about the principles of a program that we're evaluating, but even just like the principles and some instead of best practices, but some principles for how for what comes what makes up evaluation. Not saying that we have to have, you know, skill X, knowledge base Y, whatever, but saying like here are some underlying yeah, principles or values that guide our work and whether, you know, you're an evaluator who works from this base or evaluator who works from that base because we have this underlying base, that's what what is what makes us allows us to call ourselves evaluators and we're coming from vastly different perspectives. Mm. I wonder mm-hmm. how hard it would be to get agreement on those principles. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's the principles for developing principles? I don't know. I mean, I think I think the discourse will be generative. <laughs> and possibly occasionally explosive. <laughs> Probably best to do in a cafe setting, I think. I mean, I'm not anti-box. I'm not like, oh God, there should be no boxes. What, you know, everything should be free and we can any, we can be anything that we say we are and no definitions. I just, I, I love the fact though, that as a field, we are so many, I do, I think, you know, we're, we're clearly having these conversations across many spaces and and I'm excited to see it happening at a conference theme level Mm. of who the Mm. hell are we? Like, is there, (laughs) how many professions are there where people feel so consistently misunderstood and confused <laughs> about themselves. Maybe that's underlying definition of evaluation. We, we're continually confused about ourselves and we're continually having conversations about it. And on the side, we try to be useful for other people too. <laughs> no wonder people are scared. Mostly tongue in cheek with that. But... <laughs> it, is, it is an interesting, um, lost my train of thought. Um, the conversation about who we are though, and I think that, interweaves with the professionalization conversation and we don't have a kind of credentialed evaluators um, sort of pathway in in Australia yet though we're starting to have those conversations about what do we need to do to professionalize more and I suppose one of my questions about that is yeah how you define define that when we are so diverse um, who sort of whose view of evaluation triumphs when you create this kind of approach where you have to get credentialed in a certain way Um, and Mm -hmm. I also wonder how that idea of professionalization works against integrating evaluation into the everyday so if we're kind of about unboxing evaluation and getting it more into the the policy cycle and getting people to kind of use evaluation in their practice because you know we don't just evaluate for ourselves evaluation is kind of um, you know useful for other disciplines a kind of trans discipline I think it's referred to 
is it helpful if we start to box off evaluation? Does it um, make people less likely to kind of integrate it into their practice? Do they feel like they can't do it because they're not a professional evaluator? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's, um, I got to talk with someone about a month ago, um, Paul Kischuk, who's an evaluator up in Yukon here, he's submitted something. I don't know if it's going to be accepted, but he submitted something to the next Canadian Evaluation Society conference happening in, uh, I'm going to say Halifax, and I'm going to hope oh. I'm right. Yes, Halifax, where the, where the theme of the conference is bridges. And what he submitted, and I hope he's okay with me talking about this a little bit because I found it so fascinating. Um, and uh, yeah, I really hope that he does get to present it. But he's, he is looking at this idea of evaluation as a bridging as opposed to a bonding Ooh. profession. Um, and, and maybe we'll have to get him on the podcast to talk to us a little bit more about Ooh. that in depth. Mm -hmm. um, but this idea that, you know, you have professions that are more about you know, uh, we're going to unite around a single identity, um, you know, and, and we're going to really sort of guard that identity. So like accountants or lawyers, like there's actual policies and processes in place mm -hmm. to be like, this is, you know, we are this, we are this specific thing versus the idea of a profession that's more about bridging across gaps. So this is, I, I, I'm, I'm going based on memory at this point, but the idea of bridging and bonding is kind mm. of out there. I think that's a concept that, that mm -hmm. has been applied in a lot of different ways. And, um, yeah, like if, if evaluation is a bridging profession, then yeah, what does it mean to try to introduce some more bonding style, um, uh, activities like professionalization into that context? And what does that mean for us? And, and I'm going to try to not to steal Paul's thunder, <laughs> but I don't know. So I hope he does. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. And, uh, yeah, if I recall correctly, bridging is more about like having multiple mm. weak ties and then. Um, across diverse kind of uh, spectra. So yeah, that would be really fascinating. Um, I think we should definitely, if, uh, hopefully he will be able to present on that at CES. Um, I'll be there. Uh, I'm planning to be at, at CES this year. And if not, or if he is um, presenting there, we should definitely get him on to talk about that because that yeah, sounds fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and it just to me connects so much to Jade, what you were just talking about around this sort of um, this professionalization question and, and how does that actually work with the way that evaluation mm -hmm is um i'm actually i'm really curious about how that conversation is playing out in australia and what sort of the perception is of the canadian approach um mm. from over there this is where i have to confess i haven't read the full pathways to advance professionalization within the aes yet but it's on my desk in one of my reading piles um but i think there, there are these debates that have been happening over the the conferences for the last few years about what it what it means and i think that's why they've taken a kind of more sort of slower pathway um starting to focus more on you know understanding what professionalization would mean and thinking about what the aes can can do to um you know strengthen evaluation which is its which is its aim Brian you and I were having a conversation recently as well with a couple other folks. And actually, I had this conversation with someone else the other day about um, why, who calls themselves evaluators and who doesn't, and and what does it mean when people do evaluation but aren't thinking of themselves as evaluators? And and because there are people who do mm. like quite a bit of evaluation and don't think of themselves as evaluators. Mm -hmm. And is that is that a problem for us or should we you know should we be concerned about that because i know some people get quite sort of frustrated about well why don't why can't they just mm. call themselves evaluators if they're doing evaluation um and i'm curious i would i i want to talk with more i think it was really interesting to have someone on the podcast who does evaluation but isn't an evaluator and i'd, I'd love to talk to more people mm. like that I'm more concerned about people who call themselves evaluators, but evaluation. don't do it well. So <laughs> more the other way. So <laughs> that's more my my concern. So but, yeah. I mean, I'm probably guilty. Uh, guilt, mm -hmm. I'm one of those guilty people who does a lot of evaluation, but doesn't necessarily call themselves an evaluator. I think it, it is partially that that perception that people have when you come in as an evaluator. And for me, it's it's easier to call myself a consultant and, or a facilitator or some of those other things that, I, that I'm doing in, in that space, um, especially when I'm working with, with communities or, um, you know, the program clients. I suppose, though, it does worry me, this idea that we don't call ourselves evaluators because evaluation, like, you know, there's all these buzzwords in government now, you know, design thinking or implementation science or behavioral insights or customer experience, CX. Um, 
evaluation isn't one of those buzzwords um and you know it's sort of like we get a bit pushed to the side and mm. last year I went to the um behavioral exchange conference and you know a lot of what they're doing around these um trials is is evaluation or a certain type of evaluation but you know I mm. talked to mm-hmm. my straw poll of a few people I engaged with around the conference and I said you know I'm from um the Australasian Evaluation Society because I was there re- representing them and they said what evaluation what's evaluation and that's when I started to worry a bit more especially because a theme of that conference mm. was about you know the behavioral insights people getting much more into dealing with more complex problems than you know simplifying forms and some of the the you know the low hanging fruit they've been working on when they start to talk about getting into working around more complex problems evaluation has a lot to offer in that space you know not necessarily straightforward answers but things that we've been working around with dealing with with you know interventions into complex social systems and evaluating those over quite a long time so why aren't we having this conversation with you know the behavioral insights people about what evaluation can do in that space i mean maybe they are maybe um you know i wasn't just talking to the right people at the conference but i do feel like evaluation isn't always up there in those discussions and the big things that are happening around policy and, and government programs yeah, and that reminds me of and another episode uh, reference. Uh, our we'll live, um, our, our, um, our, we'll get them all. I think so. We're we're on a good track here. Um, our recording at uh, CES 2018 this past year um, in Calgary, and we were discussing a little bit. Um, there was a panel of mayors and um, or other representatives from municipal government, and a lot of them kind of admitted to like. Yeah, before we got this invitation to this conference, we didn't know a heck of a lot about evaluation. And mm-hmm. um, I think even back at AEA in Chicago, I think, Carolyn, uh, no, um, in Denver, I think, when we were both there, Carolyn, remind me if this sounds familiar to you at all. But um, there was a presentation around uh, social return on investment and generally, I think, business and evaluation and how kind of there's a lot of parallel structures or parallel development of ideas around kind of understanding and uh, understanding value putting uh putting value on different programs or initiatives and whatnot but like how these two like evaluation and kind of the business world were in parallel streams and not really connecting at all to each other so i'm wondering like are we just having even if we are doing this kind of bridging work like um uh, your colleague i forgot his name now was saying um are we doing really a good job at it or are we just you know, bridging within a, a narrow, a narrow confines. So here's the question that I have. Um, do we need to promote the identity of evaluators as a group of people in order to promote evaluation as a practice? Or is it possible that our focus on this professional self-identity is maybe in some ways limiting uh, our bridging uh, with evaluation? Mm. And I guess that goes back to when I was starting to grapple with that question about professionalize, professionalization. If we sort of box ourselves off, how do we, what do we lose in terms of evaluation and evaluative thinking being integrated into more everyday practice within, you know, for program managers or for, for policymakers as well? Um, so that's a really good point. I hadn't quite thought about both of them together. Yeah, yeah. And I, I genuinely, I'm not sure, but there's this part of me that feels like, we're kind of maybe chasing one thing when, when what we really want is something else. Um, like this idea that if, if people respect us as evaluators and see us as, as evaluators and the holders of evaluation, maybe then they won't feel like it's something they can hold. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. This is maybe one of our deepest episodes. <laughs> Big question. I mean, what is like what 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 are we working towards as evaluators, or what is evaluation working yeah, what towards? Is, what is the future? What what is our ultimate outcome? Yeah, I feel like that also goes back to that. Um, you know, what? How do we define evaluation? Do we define it around a mechanism of what we do, or do we define mm. it around a purpose of what we do? Because I don't think many people will get excited about the mechanism of of evaluation unless they're already That's excited true. about the purpose of yeah. it. Yeah. People need to understand your why to really engage with the, with the how you're doing it or for the how that how you're doing it to, you know, even come onto their radar. 
I'm just looking at the, uh, so on the article on, on better evaluation, there were also a couple Ooh. of um, comments mm. uh, that I was interested in, in highlighting. So one person had asked about um, uh, unboxing evaluation should also include the capacity of telling the story, whether a success or a failure as is to the interested stakeholder. That's another take on uh, what it means to mm. unbox evaluation. And part of that, I wondered whether they were meaning sometimes reports don't get released and so, you know, the clients of a program or the community stakeholders of a program don't get to see the results and so how do you kind of unbox evaluation if you your report findings literally are, you know, sitting in a box? Um, and the other part I wondered was mm. about, you know, we not all of us are great storytellers necessarily. You might have found something really interesting in a report and you may have great technical capacity to understand that and probably there's a lot of my colleagues that have much more of that that kind of technical analysis side. Um, but it's also important to work with someone who's able to tell the story of that in a meaningful way as well so people are engaged and do want to read it and do want to find out about it. Mm, oh, that's so interesting because uh, that reminds me of um, there's a lot of overlap. I don't know if this comes up uh, in Australia. In Canada, we it definitely comes up a lot with um, knowledge mm. translation and evaluation. Um, and I've actually interacted with quite a few people who think of themselves mm. primarily as knowledge translation specialists, but also or sometimes it's knowledge mobilization. And I think now late, most recently, it's knowledge <laughs> exchange. They keep changing uh, the <laughs> verb. <laughs> Um, but it's that idea of, yeah, it's not just enough to have the findings. You have to get the findings out there in a way that people mm. can engage and interact with. And um, there's a lot of overlap between what knowledge translators and evaluators do. But also, yeah, that clear emphasis, like to be a knowledge translator who, who couldn't, you know, tell a good story with the findings, you, you really couldn't get by like that. Whereas I think you're right. There, there are people who do evaluation without necessarily... It's not necessarily the no, core part of our training like to, uh, to be able to <laughs> mm, make those yeah. findings accessible. That was interesting. One of my colleagues yeah. um, ran a session at the, the AS conference last year about, you know, what's the, the evolution of the evaluation deliverable. Kind of talked about us having had, you know, the, the deck-liverable, like the, the PowerPoint sort of presentation and then what comes next. And it was interesting to see where people were headed with, with evaluation and some of that is kind of video stories and things that we're, we're already seeing, though only, you know, a small number of people are really doing those as well, whereas someone else from the audience came up with this sort of idea about um, – I think it's called a chatterbox. I have no idea if it's called that in Canada. But you know those little things where you used to play like games as a child and it's a folded square of paper that has like numbers on it and instructions and you tell them which number and you kind of um, count that out and whichever kind of square you land on, you get that that piece of information. So to really break up findings in this very different way uh, and to kind of engage with story and meaning making through that. Oh, yeah. And I do know what you're talking about. It does have a different name and I cannot for the life of me think of what the different name is. Yeah, I know what you're talking about too, but yeah, unfortunately, I should have Googled what a Canadian word for this might be. But um, it is just like this nice idea that evaluation <laughs> can be sort of completely unboxed from that idea of it's, you know, a hefty tome that you place on somebody's desk. It could be something that you engage with and um, and understand that way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've heard of like people doing fortune cookies uh, for evaluation findings. Um, I know that, of course, Kylie Hutchinson, a, a previous uh, guest on Eval Cafe, oh, yeah. one, uh, <laughs> is doing a webinar, I think, um, coming up soon on data parties, or she, uh, she does a lot of um, work around uh, how to hold data parties. So, I mean, yeah, there's a there's some really neat ways of doing it, um, which, again, gives up our sense of control of, you know, what's, who's doing the analysis, who's doing the interpretation of the findings. So, yeah, I'm really excited yeah, about that idea of a data party. I would like to, to do that. It makes it sound, evaluation sound more fun than this kind of judgment, external judgment definition um, would lead you to believe. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't it? I think data parties were kind of my entryway into really consciously participatory mm. methods. And I've done them quite a bit now and I, I, they're so much fun and they're so interesting and they're so rich and it's great to come into a space. And, and it honestly, it has felt like giving people the gift of data. Um, They don't necessarily like it right off the bat, but once they actually get a chance, I mean, if they care about what it's all about, which they do, because it's their program they're invested in or their service that they're using, people do really come alive with the opportunity to be like, wait, what does this mean to us? 
Oh, you're both mentioning Kylie Hutchinson, though, reminds me of the other way we're trying to unbox evaluation at the conference because I was speaking to her just last week. She very generously offered to help me think about, you know, what an unconference might look like. And so for one of the days, probably one of the days at the AES conference, we are looking to hold an unconference, um, which I learned about off another podcast actually um, and it's really to try and enable people to have those more in-depth conversations that they don't always get to have at a conference where you know you're running from short paper to short paper or maybe you've got one kind of interactive session but it's only for an hour and it's kind of on a predetermined you know list of questions or way of engaging with a topic this will enable us to think about, you know, what is it that we need to to talk about as evaluators to, to forward um, the future of evaluation? Where do we need to be headed um, to start to have some of those really in-depth conversations as well? Yeah, I don't, don't have a lot of experience of one conference, but I've heard of that method or similar mm. ones like open space technology. Um, and actually, um, one of the things I put in for CES, fingers crossed, will be accepted, um, is to have a, a, a kind of a session, a, a dialogue around what do conferences need to be for us um, um, to make sure that, yeah, it's not just, I mean, 15 minutes um, sitting in front of a PowerPoint deck, that's, you know, fine and good in some some ways, but uh, there's so many other possibilities for having some of these deep, meaningful conversations when you have you know, several hundred evaluators in the same room or thousands in the case of, uh, mm. you know, AEA down, down in the States um, uh, to make better use of that. And here, another reference to our <laughs> last episode with <laughs> on, on conferences and evaluation. So I think we, we pretty much ticked almost all of them off at this point. Yeah, I'm glad I listened <laughs> to your back catalog before I came on. Otherwise, I'd be lost. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a requirement to it be a guest really on the show. Listening, just though, so it's just funny how many of these themes kind of thread throughout as well the conversation things that you come back to because they're not mm -hmm. easy things to solve and really do kind of um you know engage us as a, as a profession in thinking about the answers yeah and i think brian mm -hmm. and i use this podcast to sort of work out our own personal and professional <laughs> issues <laughs> uh fair fair shot yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so we tend to come back to the same things yeah. over and over again um mm -hmm. i'm wondering so when it comes to unboxing evaluation, do we have any final thoughts that we want to share on what on what that means to us and, and where we'd like to see that go? Or Just thinking about, yeah, where does <laughs> There's no end. Um, I think I don't know, it's kind of inter like interesting wherever it could go. Like there's so many different directions you could take this in and it's quite, that's what's kind of exciting for me. Um, I would like us to think one of the other sub-themes is about, you know, how evaluation kind of relates, like where's the edges, the bleeding edge of evaluation and how we work with, you know, the behavioural insights people, designers, implementation science people, um, customer experience people, where we fit into that space and how we shape our, shape our place there. I think something like, you know, developmental evaluation is as given us a way to engage in the design space more as programs are evolving and that's really exciting. I kind mm -hmm. of wonder what other developments there are and will be for evaluation as we find you know our place in kind of a more complex world in which programs you know maybe even often um, we're not talking about programs anymore a lot of the time you know it might be policies or or services that are evolving like a lot of my work in Australia is around the national disability insurance scheme and in that you know we're not talking about programs anymore we're talking about people given choice and control and you know accessing the supports that they need to meet their goals in life so it's not like a traditional approach to evaluating a program um, what's the space of evaluation there um, and I'm also really kind of excited about furthering that um, really sort of engagement participatory and collaborative approaches working with with people with disability in that space as well I'm thinking about how I feel about boxes and realize that one of the strongest when I think about boxes like one of the strongest associations that I have is actually what uh, incredible opportunities they are um, if you look at them the right way. Um, I have memories of, of, of turning boxes into spaceships and houses and all kinds, like, you know, the way a kid will play with a box, it's not just, here's a thing that you put stuff in and a lid goes on it and goes in the closet. It's, it's a prop. It's um, a, a thing that you can 
rediscover and and use creatively and and I, I love playing with boxes um, and I hope that in evaluation we can learn to do that as well to, to not have our boxes be our sort of fixed limits and and you know rigid definitions but can be a place to start with for our imagination and creativity yeah we need to get back to being the kids who want to play with the you know the gift wrap and the box rather than the toy itself at Christmas starting to think about what's possible to create from that so yeah I think uh I think we're kind of coming I mean I think this is one of those I I think this for most of our conversations on Eval Cafe but I think this one definitely could be one that could go on for probably another couple hours if we let it but uh um, I think this might be a good point. Um, Jade, is there anything um, kind of looking forward to, um, obviously the conference, so uh, anything you want to share just to kind of put out there to our listeners? Yeah, well, um, we're really hoping to get a lot of people to engage with the conference in Sydney in September this year. Our conference um, call for papers closes early March. I think it's the 7th of March. So if you're inspired to contribute to help us unboxing evaluation, we'd love to um, grab a paper submission from you by then. We'd also, we're trying to continue the dialogue sort of at a more global level through better evaluation. So if anyone has an idea to contribute to the, the better evaluation blog series we have on unboxing evaluation, evaluation get in touch with me um that's probably about it awesome well thank you so much uh for um responding to our random invitation out of nowhere um (laughs) (laughs) uh, thank goodness for twitter um and Mm -hmm. and for coming on our podcast today it's been wonderful to have you Thanks for inviting me. It's really been good to start having this conversation with other people and to take it outside of our little conference committee room where we're debating what these words mean because, you know, we don't own it. Um, It's what everyone will make of it. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on Pinecast, iTunes or Google Play or by going to our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at evalcafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for Poppers and Prosecco, our intro theme, and Dispersion Relation, our outro, as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro. I also, I looked up the the name that I'm familiar with for, for a chatterbox and I'm, uh, I apologize to tell you, it's called a cootie catcher, uh, wow. is my, that's the term <laughs> that I <laughs> apparently blanked from my mind because it's kind of gross. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Not sure that one really is lost in translation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just. I'm going to live a sudden now, too, and see if any of those names sound familiar to me. So. <laughs>